Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and affect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. I'm Richard Harris, and I am just really excited to be joining you today. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a great program. I'm going to be introducing our special guest to you in just a second. Uh, before I do that, I wanted to uh, remind you guys about a couple of things that are going on here at Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College. Uh, coming up here next week, December 15th through the 17th, is the Live Nativity. This last weekend, we just had the Heart of Christmas show, great attendance, great, uh, great, awesome uh, Broadway quality musical. It was fantastic. And then uh, this coming weekend is the live nativity. So if you live in this area, uh, feel free, grab your kids, your family, jump in the car and come on out to Karis Bible College where you can see the lights and see the uh, you know, like Roman soldiers on horseback, the live animals, camels, donkeys, uh, cows, and all that. Plus, of course, Jesus, uh, Joseph, Joseph and Mary and all of that. It's really a wonderful thing. So uh, also the Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference, Andrew's annual uh, event in the Phoenix area is coming up January 4th through the 6th. He'll be ministering uh, at the F uh, Renaissance Phoenix Glendale Hotel and Spa along with Pastor Jim Baker. And so it's going to be a fantastic fantastic GTC. If you've never been to the Phoenix one, you really ought to go because there's a lot of special uh, additional features for that uh, GTC, including a partner's reception. And uh, Pastor Jim is a fantastic Bible teacher. You'll be super glad that you went. So you can register now on awmi.net. All right, guys. Well, my guest today on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show is my new friend, Brad Dacus. And Brad is the founder and probably the president or CEO of Pacific Justice Institute. And uh, uh, Brad is an attorney and his organization is devoted to representing Christians and, and uh, others, uh, other people of faith whose First Amendment rights have been infringed. Also standing up and fighting in the courts and in our legal system for family values, biblical values, and the things that we hold dear. So Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, it's great to have you here. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good organizations out there <clears throat> fighting for our rights as Christians, but uh, I've never had the opportunity of having you on the program before. So I'm really excited about today. We got to meet at uh, a conference a few months back and uh, it was really um, uh, great to meet you. So can you just start by sharing a little bit about yourself uh, for our viewers who haven't had the chance to get to know you? Um, you're an attorney. Were you in private practice before starting uh, uh, Pacific Justice Institute, and and uh, what do people need to know about you? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I was uh, I went to law school at the University of Texas School of Law, and came to California, and I was uh, with a firm uh, working at a private firm, uh, and then during that, before the first year was up, I was offered a job by the Rutherford Institute to open up a Western Regional Office for them, uh, which I did. And by God's grace, we developed a huge team of attorneys in, four, attorneys in 14 Western states. Then after five years, uh, they uh, closed down the regional offices, including mine, offered me a job to head up the public affairs office in Washington, D.C. It was actually a promotion, higher salary, and 
I was going to be the, the face of the organization. I said yes, and, but I didn't pray about it. And um, the reason I didn't pray about it, I think, is because I know when I pray about things like this, I get challenged to do the thing that requires faith and isn't quite so easy. Mm. So uh, that's what happened, yeah. and I prayed about it, and my conviction was uh, you know, to, to do what, what's the passion on my heart, which is to make sure that people get the help that they need at the time where it was needed the most, which was on the West Coast uh, by far. So uh, I gave God a few little requirements, free office space, free computer system, keep me on the radio stations for free. There were two at the time. We have to be in the black in just three, three months, and I'm never going to charge anyone ever for the work I do. Um, God came through on all of those by his grace. Fast forward uh, more than 25 years later, we now have 36 offices in 29 states, coast to coast, Miami to Boston to all across the United States. Um, we do all our work without charge, defending religious freedom, parents' rights, the sanctity of human life. Um, and it's, it's really exciting. We have over 250 cases in active litigation. Some of those are major class action lawsuits. And uh, we're uh, really working hard to, to make a real difference for the kingdom. We're not just about the Constitution. We're also, the Constitution is a 50-yard 50, uh, 50 line, if you will. Uh, the touchdown is furthering God's kingdom. And our attorneys are mm. committed to doing that in all that we do. I do a lot of guest preaching uh, in addition to the, the legal and the media uh, that we have. Uh, I do a lot of guest preaching at churches. I love to uh, preach straight from the word and see people come to Christ at the end of the service. Uh, we, I do that without charge with a joy and a, a delight. And then of course we have our different media. Uh, so we have the Dacus Report heard on over 800 radio outlets across the country uh, by God's grace and our and other uh, media as well and uh, different different uh, platforms. So it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity we have to serve. And I think what makes us most unique is that we work hard to not just cherry pick a few cases here and there, but our goal is to make sure that everyone gets help, that no one's left on the side of the road when it comes to religious freedom, parents' rights against the government or the sanctity of human life. Um, that's our hallmark. And uh, it's, it's really exciting to see how God's allowed us to do that. Well, uh, that's uh, that's amazing. How how do you, man? I was in uh, I was an attorney, am an attorney, but was in private practice for over twenty years. And of course, every single day you're thinking about billable hours and and money. How do you manage to, <laughs> yeah? How do you manage to represent so many people without charging them anything? Yeah, good question. Thanks for asking it. Uh, yeah, it's it's because of moms and, and dads out there, grandmas and grandpas. Uh, that support our work often on a monthly basis. Uh, sometimes it's in small amounts. Uh, churches, more and more churches support us because they see the work that we do uh, to make a difference. Uh, some parents and families have private foundations. Uh, but most of it's moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas and churches. And uh, it makes a, makes a real difference in enabling us by God's grace to, to take on all these cases. It's uh, like I say, it's, it's easy to cherry pick. Uh, you know, a few, a, a few shiny cases uh, likely go to Supreme Court. That's uh, the, the hard part is when you want to make sure that everyone gets help. And that's what we try to do. And we have so many great attorneys who sacrifice so much across the country uh, to make that happen. And those on staff who are paid uh, are get paid at a, a fraction of what uh, they would, would make uh, just working fully in the, in the private sector. So everyone at PGI has a real heart and we have a very low turnover. So uh, the people we have are, are really committed to the work that we're doing and, and, and to furthering God's kingdom. Wow, that, that's fantastic. So if people want to help, uh, if they want to support you financially, can they just go to your website and uh, do that there? 
Yeah, that's great. Thank you for asking that question as well. Um, yeah, we actually have a matching, a half a million dollar matching uh, gift campaign right now for those who uh, send in a contribution or become a monthly supporter uh, between uh, now December or in January as well. Uh, so it's a great opportunity and people can do that right now if they'd like. It's tax deductible. They can just go to uh, PJI dot org p for pacific j for justice i for institute dot org um if they're uh, if they can't do it right now because on their laptop or uh, whatnot um they can also just text uh the letters p j i to the number 715041 715041 i remember it as a 71 year old man having lunch with a 54 year old woman and there's a one-year-old in the high chair that's how I remember it. <laughs> so it works for me. But text, they text PJI to 71541, or they can just go straight to our website, pji.org. Um, and we can, they can also sign up to get our Legal Insider newsletter. It's once a week. It's short. Uh, but it's, it's talking about a lot of these cases that the people just simply are not going to hear about uh, if they look at mainstream media. So I encourage people to take advantage of that as well. Absolutely. Well, yeah, um, I'm still trying to get the 74-year-old out of my head here, but uh, what, <laughs> um, tell us, if you would, Brad, about um, some of the work that you're doing right now. Can you, um, like I was, uh, before we went on the show, you were mentioning quite a few things. Uh, tell us about this anti-Semitism work on college campuses, if you would, that you, I think you've just launched this, but um, you're going to be doing what you can to fight back against that, uh, what we've seen in the news lately. Yeah, it is outrageous to see the degree and the depth of anti-Semitism, uh, not just on one campus, but on campuses across the, the country, even some quote-unquote Christian colleges and universities. Uh, so uh, we at PGI, we saw this, and of course the professors are part of the problem as well, uh, left-wing professors controlling these universities like Harvard and Yale and, uh, you know, just, uh, it's just outrageous, Columbia University. So. Uh, we decided to step up, and with our offices all across the country, which is another unique part of PJI, um, and so in all these states across the country, we are in a position where we can go to bat and defend these Jewish students or Christian students being uh, called out for being pro-Israel and, and in favor of protecting the Jewish students. Um, we decided to uh, step out and make a public pledge and commitment to defend any Jewish student or Christian student being persecuted on these campuses uh, for their uh, conviction about Israel and standing up for Israel. Um, this is what we're about, and uh, we're, we've made this commitment, and we're encouraging people on our radio programs and other programs uh, to have uh, Jewish in individuals to, in particular to contact us if they're facing harassment, threats, uh, or belittlement by uh, a mob of, of students, intolerant, uh, pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist students, or some pro-Hamas, terrorist-loving uh, faculty or teacher, uh, we, we're there to stand by and represent them without charge. 
Well, that's fantastic. Well, folks, we're uh, here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. My guest today is Brad Dacus, the head of Pacific Justice Institute, and uh, we want you to participate in today's show. It's interactive. If you've got questions or comments for Brad, uh, please call in to our number. It's on the screen, 719-619-2341, and uh, we would love to hear from you today. Also, if you are uh, needing someone to agree with you in prayer today, I want to encourage you to call Andrew's 24-7-365 prayer line. That number is 719-635-1111. And someone will be glad to agree with you in prayer today. So Brad, tell me more about this. Now we've got, um, I think, I don't know, I think probably half the country is in shock today on this whole uh, Israel thing as the, what we've seen in the news of pro-Hamas demonstrations on the streets of the United States on college campuses. And we're not talking about small, uh, you know, a handful of people. We're talking sometimes hundreds and thousands of people protesting in favor of a bloody, uh, ungodly terrorist, anti-freedom terrorist organization. How, how could this be happening in our country today? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, ignorance, uh, deception, um, but also there's a spiritual dimension to this, which is, uh, you know, it's demonic as far as I'm concerned. The, the degree to which Jews are singled out and discriminated against in such a hostile, uh, bigoted way, uh, it's incredible when you look at it. Uh, people also are wanting to just distort the facts. So, uh, you know, the media says, oh, but look at Israel invading Gaza and innocent, you know, civilians are... Are, are dying. Well, wait, wait a minute. So Gaza, people don't understand, these Hamas aren't just some little group here. They're the government of Gaza. They were right. elected by the people of Gaza. Uh, polls show that the overwhelming majority, more than nine out of 10 of the people living in Gaza are pro-Hamas. And what is Hamas? Hamas is committed not for uh, the two-state solution, no. Uh, the Fatah and the West Bank are not committed to that either, for that matter. Uh, they had that chance, and they said no. No, uh, they're committed so that every Jew um, is wiped out. Um, from the land to the sea, they want Israel completely exterminated, but they also car call, uh, carry out this uh, Islamic uh, call in Arabic, uh, which calls for the death of all Jews. Um, that is their commitment, and we've seen this chanted on our university campuses uh, at Harvard and others. And then when called to, to be accountable for this, uh, the, the head of Harvard University before Congress was asked about this. And, and uh, she's an African-American woman. Um, and she was uh, asked, well, if, uh, if they were calling, saying this about um, African-Americans, um, you wouldn't be silent about this. You wouldn't say, oh, that's, that's fine. Let's, let him say death to, to blacks or death to this. No, you'd be outspoken. So are you saying that you're, but, but you're, you're, you are allowing people to say death to the Jews? And the president of Harvard, to paraphrase, she says, well, it really depends on the context, uh, uh, the, the situation, the circumstance. I mean, that's, yeah. that's where we're at. We have the yeah. head of Harvard justifying students calling out death to the Jews and from the river to the sea. So um, that's where we are, and a lot of it is ignorance of who Hamas is and who the people of Gaza are, 
and their depth and commitment as a people, um, as migrants, most of them from, from Egypt, by the way, uh, but as, as commitments uh, to for the death of Jews and the extermination of Israel. And that's why Israel is going to have to resolve this, I believe, uh, not just with, quote, uh, taking out Hamas, uh, but actually dealing with the broader issue, which is an entire populace committed for their death and destruction all the way down to the preschool level. Yeah, well, you know, it, um, we don't want, and I am sure Israel doesn't want, uh, innocent civilians being killed. But when your right. mortal enemy right. who, who is uh, committed to slaughtering your innocent civilians uh, hides their weapons and their uh, leadership and their everything else in hospitals and in schools, um, you know, sometimes they don't leave you a whole lot of alternatives except to you've got to get in there. And if they're going to shoot at you, then you're going to have to shoot back and people are probably going to be killed. Um, but how is it that, that Americans aren't aware of this after so long that we've been dealing with these people and this terrorism? Yeah. And also I want to comment on this. Um, you know, when in history has any uh, military in a military war has uh, one side uh, given prior announcement to people in a city saying, evacuate the city, we're going to bomb it. Uh, yeah. America didn't do that to Dresden in World War II. Uh, we didn't do it to Nagasaki or Hiroshima either. In fact, it's never done because it gives, you, uh, it gives up a, an element of strategic advantage. Israel has been above and beyond anything we've ever done in that regard, even in Afghanistan, um, in Iraq. Uh, we didn't give out notices to communities with little slips from the air. Um, it's, it's called war, and Israel has been above and beyond um, anything that any government has ever done in the history of mankind when it comes uh, to military conflict and sensitivity and, and, uh, uh, to, the, to the civilians to minimize collateral damage. Uh, now, well, sorry, your, your, your question was about what's going on in America. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, we could talk about Israel and anti-Semitism, but um, there's so many things I want to cover with you. You had mentioned sure. uh, before the show that one of the um, types of cases that you're handling now is actually um, COVID vaccine mandate cases. Uh, you're yeah. still fighting the fight on COVID vaccine mandates? Oh, we are. Now, when the churches were first shut down, uh, you know, we took this all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and we got the Supreme Court to grant an emergency writ uh, uh, with a six to three decision in just three days. And it was fantastic. It sent shockwaves across the country, ordering Governor Gavin Newsom to open up those churches. Well, when that happened and that was done, I thought, okay, that's my lifetime tidal wave to deal with. I'm done with tidal waves. And then, Right after that came another tidal wave, which was hundreds of thousands, millions probably, losing their jobs, being purged from their jobs because of their faith and their Christian convictions or their sincere personal religious convictions for them not to take a very controversial, quote unquote, vaccine. Um, we were the first to step up on this. Um, I give Matt Staver credit as well. He also stepped up on this. And, uh, but we worked very hard. Uh, we have uh, so many cases in litigation on this point alone, defending people of faith who've been fired, uh, whether from the, the military, uh, we have an expert on that, or uh, from 
the private sector businesses, the government, public school teachers, doctors, nurses, firefighters, uh, police officers. Uh, we have class action. We have a class action lawsuit against the city of San Francisco for about a thousand government workers there that were purged because of their sincere religious convictions not to be jabbed. Um, we have so many cases um, all across the country, and we're leading the charge in this litigation uh, with, uh, with our cases uh, across the country, and we're seeing great success. Uh, courts and judges are moving in the right direction now, and they realize it makes no sense for a business uh, to fire or a government to fire someone uh, on religious grounds who have religious conviction against a vaccine when it's been shown that the vaccine does not prevent transmission. Hence, there's no rational basis to require them to be vaccinated if it's not going to protect other people or patients or others. Uh, and then number two, uh, to show that the existing vaccine um, is not effective uh, as the initial vaccine was uh, because of the change in the variants. Um, number three, they could have been reasonably accommodated. Almost all of these cases are cases dealing with employers, including the government, saying, um, you're just fired. And they don't even sit down to talk about how they can accommodate those beliefs. Some of these people were working from their homes. I mean, they weren't, ex they weren't physically exposed to anyone in the company, much less customers. They were still fired. Some people were working outside, uh, you know, in the, the forestry, for example, and uh, working with trees. They were fired. So uh, we're taking on every one of these cases very aggressively, and we do it uh, to make sure that, that no one is left on the side of the road when it comes to their faith and being able to put bread and butter on the table. I think you'd mentioned to me that you, you have a case uh, where um, an organ transplant candidate was refused treatment because he or she did not get the vaccine. Can you tell us about that one? And I shouldn't say yeah. vaccine, I'll, I'll say didn't get the jab, refused to take yeah. the jab. <laughs> yeah, I know, because some people point out to me when I say vaccine, they say, wait a minute, it's actually technically not a vaccine. You know, and the government redefined vaccine to try to include, you know, to include this right. this this jab. Um, so I'm very respectful of that, uh, that <clears throat> point. Um, but um, but yeah, we've have this is really tragic. So about 93% of the hospitals in America allow people to get critical, uh, life-saving organ transplants without getting the jab. 93%. But there's 7% out there that are requiring people, no matter how qualified they are to get a critically needed lung transplant, liver transplant, heart transplant, et cetera. No, they're saying, we don't care if you're the top of the list in terms of your, your qualifications to get this critically needed life-saving vaccine, um, uh, organ transplant. If you're not vaxxed, uh, we'll put you on death row, a medical death row. Just go to medical death row and die. That's what they're saying. And you know who's saying it? Um, big uh, hospitals. Uh, so Trinity Hospital was saying this. We took them to court on behalf of two individuals. Uh, we prevailed, and they now are going to get their critical uh, life-saving uh, organ transplants. Then you have University of Michigan Medical Center. Huge. Um, they said the same thing. We filed a lawsuit against them. Uh, and on behalf of two individuals critically in need of organ transplants. We just won, we just settled that one, uh, and that's so important. 
but there's about 100 people on medical death row. That is, they qualify for it, but they're denied simply because they didn't get the jab. And what's interesting is there are two studies out, one from Brazil, one from Israel, that both uh, point to the fact that those who have the jab are more likely to have their body reject the organ transplant. Mm. So it's not about facts, it's not about truth, it's not about what's best for the patient, uh, it's about something else. Uh, our attorney from our Mississippi office, uh, Ronald Hackenberg, uh, did a lot of research, and he, what he discovered about these, these hospitals requiring the jab for organ transplants, they all have something in common uniquely. They all have uh, arrangements with big pharma uh, to require all their people to get the jab no matter what. That, wow. that is, so it's about money. It's about R&D money and grants and contracts with big pharma and institutions within the government that work with big pharma that are putting these mandates into place and requirements. Um, it is uh, outrageous, it's diabolical, um, and it's something that we at PGI are taking very seriously. We're working hard to save lives as we speak for those who are on medical death row, and we're not gonna stop until every single one of these individuals uh, gets the, 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 the rightful granting of an organ transplant that they're entitled to. So, so the last, I just want to pick up on this, what you've just said, Brad, is that major hospitals have agreements with these uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies that are manufacturing uh, the, the so-called vaccines that require them to mandate it for their patients, even if the patients don't want it. And, and so uh, right. is, is that ethical? How can that possibly be legal? Yeah, it's, it's a violation of the Hippocratic Oath. First off, doctors um, are to do nothing that causes someone's uh, to uh, infringe on someone's health and medical well-being, much less facilitate medical death. Uh, so there's a huge medical ethical issue here. But that, unfortunately, we see is often not governing some of these large medical institutions. Uh, so we're going after uh, Mayo Clinic. We're going after uh, the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, we're going after um, all of them out there that are, are refusing to allow uh, patients to get life-saving organ transplants because of their insistence that they get the jab. Um, it's, it's really insane, but you know we've seen this so much play over and over, it's, where it's not about looking at the science, looking at the statistics, looking at medicine. Instead, it's all about uh, the money and big pharma. You know, what's interesting is, Finland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, the United Kingdom, um, they actually uh, have taken firm steps uh, when it comes to these, uh, these vaccines and saying, you know, hey, uh, we're limiting those to only people 18, you know, 18 and over um, because they see statistically it's more harmful to children than adults. Hmm. You know, we don't have that common sense. Uh, you know, the British Medical Journal uh, did an interesting, an incredible study. They just they found, and it's true, the overwhelming majority, nearly 99% of those in the hospital with COVID and serious COVID complications, are people that were vaxxed. And the wow. more boosters they've had, the more likely they are to have serious or fatal consequences and to be in a hospital because of COVID. These wow. are medical facts, yeah. and yet they're still pushing people to be jabbed in violation of their conscience and individual convictions. 
and we at PGI, we don't say people uh, tell people you know they, they you know you can't be vaxxed or you you must be vaxxed. We say that individuals must be able to follow their conviction and their their call of God. Um, Christianity. One guy told me he said Brad he goes you know there's nothing in the Bible about vaccines. You know so Christians shouldn't it shouldn't be relevant to Christians. And I said well if you look at Christianity um, as just signing a contract with God to um, have Jesus as your Savior and and then just do whatever the Bible directly commands you to do or not to do. Yeah, I can see your point. But if Christianity is entering into a personal relationship with the living God through faith in Jesus dying on the cross and becoming your Savior and indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and it's a walk with God uh, through through life, of, and uh, not just justification, but sanctification and, and a relationship with God, um, then it's a totally different picture. And yeah, those are the kind yeah. of people representing or people who have those kind of convictions. Oh, well done. That's right. Well, um, l the last time I, I checked, uh, uh, coming to Christ means that we die and we surrender our life to Him. So it's not really my life, it's His. And uh, the Bible also refers to our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit, even goes so far as to say that whoever destroys his temple, God will destroy. So I think that uh, what we do to our bodies is a very spiritual question, very spiritual issue. Well, we, we are up on a break now, uh, Brad, and uh, we're going to be right back in just a few uh, seconds. And I want to pick up this issue of um, parental rights and children's rights in our schools and the transgender agenda and uh, what you guys are doing to. To, uh, fight for freedom there. But let's take about 90 seconds and uh, we're going to share some information with our viewers and we'll be right back. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. All right, everybody, we're back now on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show, and I'm, uh, my special guest today is Brad Dacus, uh, an attorney, a litigator, a constitutional lawyer who's uh, founded an organization called Pacific Justice Institute. And we've been talking about some of the work that PGI is doing, and uh, we, we talked about fighting anti-Semitism and bigotry on college campuses, as well as uh, standing up for those whose rights have been infringed uh, because of mandated vaccines and 
the whole COVID regime. And uh, man, I don't know how Brad gets any sleep. He's got to be one of the busiest guys on the planet uh, with all of this, but, but there's more, there's actually more. If you wanna be a part of this conversation, I'd love it if you would call in today. 719-619-2341 is the call-in number. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So Brad, I know you guys are also active in uh, defending per parents' rights and, and really defending children more to, closer to the point uh, to, uh, who are being victimized by the radical LGBTQ plus ideology and agenda that's at work in our schools and now even in our medical uh, industry. Can you tell us what you're doing on, on that front? Yeah, it's so serious. Uh, parental rights is the big new uh, challenge that we're going to see going before the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, the United States Supreme Court recently ruled in favor of school choice, um, and uh, that's solidified. And we've been working with states along that, uh, along those lines. We helped Florida, for example, uh, pass uh, and put together uh, their school choice law. But parental rights goes far beyond just school choice. Uh, one area is dealing uh, with social workers taking children from families, uh, not just because of a, a suspicion of abuse or neglect. Um, they've expanded that dramatically to also, uh, and we've seen tremendous injustices uh, in, in children wrongfully taken from parents and families just under that uh, pretext. Uh, but we see it now happening where they're taking children from parents and families because the parents have religious beliefs not to promote gender confusion and gender distortion in their child that they love. Um, this is very, very serious. Uh, we at Pacific Justice Institute, for example, I had a case in Northern California. It was a, a girl in her early teens. She told her friend, she's in a public school, and that's important to note because they're, they're given all these, a lot of these ideas are coming from public school teachers and the teachers union, how the kids should doubt um, you know, maybe they're really the other gender. Of course they're not the other gender. Um, biologically, every cell in their body knows exactly what gender they are. Mm -hmm. uh, it's either all XX or XY chromosomes. But they plant this, this seeds of, of doubt and confusion, which, which uh, expands into confusion, particularly for children as they reach uh, puberty and adolescence. And that's what happened here. This girl was starting to doubt whether she was really a girl. Maybe I'm really a boy inside. So she tells her friend, her friend tells her teacher, teacher tells the school counselor, school counselor calls uh, Child Protective Services or social workers. Uh, they then investigate the family. They talk to the, the family and the parents say, you know, uh, uh, this child, you know, we're a Christian family. If our daughter is going through this, we're gonna get her counseling to address what the underlying issue as to why she has this, this dysphoria, this confusion, this mental condition, which is what it is. The social worker, a zealot in the LGBTQ cause probably, um, took the child uh, under the law of California, took the child and then had the child examined by a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist said, oh yes, uh, we uh, immediately must uh, keep the child away from the family and, it's, and as soon as possible begin the injections to start the process for permanent sterilization and uh, gender uh, you know, transition, if you will, which is um, you know, gender destruction and uh, distortion. So that's what happened. Uh, we at Pacific Justice were called by that family and we stepped in, we went to court, we immediately 
prevented that from happening, the injections. It took two years of fighting in court to get that girl released from the state of California, to wow. give it back to her family. And the whole time the girl said, I don't want to be away from my family. I love my parents. I want to be with my family. And the last day, the, the day of the last hearing, she said, and when we won, she said, oh, in your honor, um, yeah, I, um, I decided I really don't feel like I'm a boy after all. Yeah. Her life well, would have been destroyed had we not intervened <clears throat> in that case. Um, a week or two ago, I had uh, Walt Heyer on the show. And I don't know if you know who Walt is, but he uh, uh, transitioned from male to female, although he's very careful to tell you, no, I, no, he did not, because no one can transition, because right. no one can change their real, real sex. But uh, right. he, had the, he had the treatment, the so-called transition treatment, um, and lived for eight years uh, under the appearance of being a female, um, and then, and then transitioned back. Um, and, and, uh, Christ has intervened in his life and he's been, uh, delivered and, and transformed. But in the, in the preparation for that program, I, I was looking at his website and some other stuff. And I saw that 85% of, of, uh, teenagers or minors who ha have gender confusion, uh, will rectify that of their own efforts um, by the time they reach uh, the, their mid 20s. So um, this, uh, but we these these leftists and LGBT activists or whatever we want to call these people, they want to rush in at the first pronouncement of any concern of the child about what gender they might be and begin a medical irreversible process that will permanently damage that child for life. What is going on here, Brad, as a matter of ideology and worldview that all common sense and compassion seems to have gone out the window? Yeah, all logic, reason, uh, science, statistics, um, principle, basic principles of proper psychiatric care, yeah, it's being thrown out the window. Uh, you can't really explain it just by looking at it from that, I mean, from that perspective. I believe there is a heavy spiritual dimension that is glaring because it's, uh, it's one of the only explanations. There's, it's demonic, uh, mm -hmm. and it's a part of a society that is just uh, aggressively rebelling against the laws of nature and nature's God. Uh, I, I really, you know, you can't really rationalize it you know, any other way because they're ignoring science, ignoring, ignoring statistics, uh, medical ethics, uh, proper psychiatric care. Uh, they're ignoring the DMS-5, uh, which uh, recognizes gender identity uh, dysphoria as a mental condition. Uh, so uh, it's, um, it's very illogical in that regard. There is an incentive they have, which is money. Uh, they make money. Uh, these uh, doctors, these institutions, they make a lot of money. And that's one reason why we at Pacific Justice Institute are encouraging anyone who feels that they have been victimized by a psychiatrist, psychologist, a doctor, a hospital, a clinic, uh, and in any way regarding this gender identity confusion, to contact us so that either we can represent them or we can uh, line them up with or recommend an attorney specializing in malpractice uh, for those who are are culpable of engaging in these this kind of uh, terrible, terrible treatment of children and minors. Well, Brad, we've got a, a caller on the line who's got a question about 
our previous discussion about COVID. I want to take this call, so we'll see where it leads, but uh, I, I want to come back at some point to this whole transgender subject. So uh, now I'd like to go to Donna, who's on the line from Texas. Donna, thank you for being a Truth and Liberty and AWMI partner uh, and for calling in today. What's your question for Brad Dacus? Well, well, now that you switched the topic, I have another question on the new topic. <laughs> so <laughs> while I was listening to you, I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh. So um, my question on COVID was like, how long are we going to have to deal with this? I mean, it's almost been four years since COVID came on the scene. And it's like, it's a long, long time. And the second um, little thing about this was what about the... The poor, or I don't know how to, what else, what are the words you use, but the kids in the school that don't have maybe two parents or maybe even parents that really care, who's going to help them? I mean, we don't know how, if they're getting talked into things they don't want. What can be done for them? Oh, who's looking out for the, the kids in the schools uh, if they've only got a single parent or some other arrangement where... Maybe parents aren't quite as involved. Brad, why don't you take either or both of those questions? Sure. Let me start with the first one, and hopefully I'll remember the second one. Um, but uh, dealing with COVID, uh, is, it just, is it ever going to end? Um, I would say probably not, because Pfizer and uh, these big pharma, uh, they want to make money. So they're going to be pushing it. There'll always be a variance to this COVID, this man-made COVID, and and you don't even, people shouldn't even dare to argue the fact now that it, that it was uh, it was man-made. I mean, it clearly was. So it's man-made, it's there, it's going to be there. Uh, however, uh, it's like any virus, uh, it's something that um, it has uh, variances and with every variance, uh, it uh, becomes weaker and it spreads faster. And that's really where it is now. The COVID that's out there now is, is a you know a serious cold. Uh, you know, that's it's not uh, like the original uh, version uh, that came out COVID nineteen uh, originally uh, from China. Um, so we're going to have it. It's going to be pushed. That said, uh, many Americans, the majority of Americans, no longer trust the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So last I heard, only seven percent have received the latest booster for the latest variants of the vaccine. And that actually the latest variants are the boosters for is actually in the rearview mirror. Um, it's not even actually for the, the latest one that's actually coming out. Uh, that's one of the problems with this booster process. Um, so the overwhelming masses understand what it is, understand the risk, it's, it's getting out there. You know, we've had a, a more than 13,000% increase in minors age 12 to, 12 to 19 getting myocarditis, serious heart issues, 13,000% increase. Um, you know, what parents gonna wanna have their child vaxxed when they start learning this, this information? So I think it's gonna continue. More and more parents are not gonna have their kid vaxxed. It's gonna be less and less of a mandate because uh, they do not have the consensus like they did before when they were providing false information. And uh, the even the apparent seriousness of it is, is falling fast as people are seeing that it's not the big ugly monster that it used to be. So that's my answer to that question. And if anyone is ever persecuted because they don't have the, the vaccine um, and they have a sincere religious conviction to the contrary, 
whether it's a student in college, uh, university, military, wherever, um, I want them to feel free to, to give us a call so we can give them their accounts. We have great information on our website about that. Now, your other question um, was not dealing with COVID. The other one was dealing with, oh, darn it. Um, I, th I think she's wondering, uh, kids in, in schools, you know, it's one yes. thing where you, uh, you have a parent or parents who are yes. paying attention, they're active in their kids' lives, and they're watching out for them. But what about those kids who have just one parent or right. maybe, maybe uh, you know, parents who aren't involved and they're being led down this uh, deceptive path of trans ideology? Yeah, it's uh, so uh, destructive what's happening in our public schools. States like California mandate uh, pro-transgender uh, uh, you know, education, abortion, yep. curriculum. Um, all the way down to the kindergarten level for every year in school has to have an element of this propaganda, this indoctrination uh, that is so dangerous and destructive. That's one reason why homeschooling is growing faster than even private schools or public schools. Uh, we're, we've helped a lot of church, helping churches start church homeschool co-ops. Uh, and I, I would encourage parents and families who are low income, uh, who say, you know, they can't homeschool on their own, they can't afford a private school. In fact, private schools have waiting lists now, uh, generally speaking. They don't like the ugliness that are in the public schools. If they're, uh, they should look into uh, a church homeschool co-op near them, a church that may have one. Maybe their church is interested in starting one that'll work with parents, particularly in low-income parents, to help as a cooperative, help uh, their child have a good education. That's something that we're, we're encouraging uh, as we speak. Also, parents need to know their rights. So if they have their children in a public school, uh, they, no matter where they are, uh, they need to uh, utilize some of our resources. One of those is opt-out forms. We have them customized for each of the 50 states. You can download it for free from, on our website, uh, pji.org. Uh, we also have another valuable resource. It's a, an article, 12 Steps to Protect Your Children from social workers or child protective services, CPS. Mm. Every parent in America needs to download this because when the social worker knocks on their door or calls them and says, can I come by, I need to, can I come in and examine your children uh, in the back room? Parents need to know what their rights are. They need to know how to deal with this. And we tell them exactly what they need to do. And parents that do what we tell them to do in this article, uh, they have a 98% chance they're not going to lose their children. So this is very important because thousands and thousands are taken by social workers. Uh, many of these, if not most of them, are part of the LGBTQ uh, agenda. And these children, sadly, are often ending up in non-traditional families uh, beholden to that agenda. So this is a very important for people to take advantage of that and download that for free on our website as well, pji.org. Wow, that's fantastic. Thank you for, for that answer, uh, Brad. And Donna, thank you for your call. Um, coming back to this, this question of LGBTism and, and gender identity uh, for, for just a minute, um, it, it doesn't stop in the schools, though, does it? Um, it's, it's in our military, it's all through our culture. And um, what, uh, what do you think the root problem is here, Brad, as far as our country goes, and how are we gonna defeat this uh, 
um, ideology from you know, continuing to grow and spread throughout our country. Well, once again, it sounds very simplistic, but it's, it's demonic. Uh, our nation, in about the 1940s, uh, they, uh, they, they veered away from uh, what's called traditional conservatism, if you will, which um, recognizes uh, fundamental rights under natural law, uh, but have been proven and proven themselves through history and through, uh, through government, through the United States, the UK, et cetera. Uh, we deviated from that into a um, sort of a, an ideology of, um, of liberal enlightenment, if you will. That, kept, that came to the surface after the Holocaust, and part of that was the desire that, you know, we need to recognize common, common rights of equality, et cetera, for all mankind. And that it had no foundation to it, and then came what we see now, which is uh, a Marxist philosophy of the ends justify the means, and uh, where CRT, DEI, uh, as well as the LGBTQ movement have, er have erupted. So it's no longer about principles of equality and equal treatment, et cetera, but rather agendas uh, to reset society and make it into something totally different according to those seeking power for their group, for their ideology, which are all have one thing in common. They're completely uh, divergent from uh, scripture, from a, a Judeo-Christian or biblical worldview. Now, how do we deal with it, uh, you know, moving forward? I'd say most directly and immediately, uh, first off, is protecting our children. Uh, so that doesn't mean just homeschool. That means uh, monitor what they're seeing on their laptop, make sure their laptop uh, they don't use earplugs, make sure they don't look at it in their room, make sure you have filters, make sure you can see and hear what they're watching at all times. Uh, do not give them uh, a cell phone like this. No, instead, uh, get them a flip top when they get old enough so they can make calls and text messages and even then have a, a mirror uh, software on it so you can see exactly who they're calling and what their text messages are. Uh, your teenagers aren't going to like this, but this is real important for a healthy family uh, control. Of course, you need to be involved in your church, uh, your peer group, youth group. Um, you know, those are all very valuable, very important for their interaction with adults in the church. Churches are really making a mistake when they say, well, here's our youth department, here's our youth leader, and the rest of you adults have nothing to do with these kids. Uh, that's actually statistically um, very problematic. Children need healthy relationships with at least five adults in their church if they don't want to veer away from the faith when they go to college. That was a result of a, I think it was a Pew Research study that came out on that and uh, was very, uh, very helpful. So there's things that can be done immediately to protect the children uh, moving forward. Uh, as far as, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, the bigger picture, um, you know, we as a, as a nation, we need to also call out these external influences like Disney movies. Uh, there's no reason a, a parent should take their child to any new Disney movie coming out. Every single one of them has LGBTQ propaganda, including the, uh, the latest one called Wish. Uh, so uh, monitor television, uh, stores uh, like Target, um, even Walmart has some LGBTQ undergarments for little children, or at least they, they had earlier mm. this year. Uh, if a store has things like that, you need to keep your child out of it. Don't give them business. And uh, it's, it's a bit of a you know, pain, but we need to be vigilant in protecting the remnant of children out there that have not already been 
uh, poisoned by this indoctrination. And of course, we need to vote. Uh, we need to be involved. We need to have, make sure our churches have voter registration. We need to attend churches that preach from the full word of God, that are not compromising and pleases of men, um, and uh, have our churches be strong, have our family communities work together, and in so doing, uh, hopefully influence the culture and, and the states. Uh, we at PJI also, through our legislative council, are working with particularly the red states to adopt legislation that aggressively uh, defends religious freedom, parents' rights against the government, the sanctity of human life. We're making great strides in states like Texas and in Florida and Tennessee and uh, other states as well. Um, so that's, that's the next level is on a state level, and then hopefully we'll see it on, uh, on, a, on a federal level as we have more uh, shifting in the worldview and hopeful revival in America. Uh, Brad, the, there have been some really important uh, United States Supreme Court cases in the last year or two. Um, obviously, the one that everybody knows about is the reversal of Roe versus Wade. But a couple that people may not remember or may not be on their radar screen uh, dealt with uh, First Amendment rights. And one of them was Kennedy versus Bremerton School District and then the 303 Creative case. Uh, can you comment on those cases and do those decisions from the Supreme Court give you hope for the future that, uh, that we might be able to uh, move back and, re and restore our constitutional republic under God? Yes, definitely. Well, we have state courts that, and particularly in blue states, that have shown uh, themselves to be engaging in what I call lawfare, uh, which is uh, using the, the courts for uh, political warfare against individuals based on their ideology or you know, where they're coming from. It's, it's hideous. We've seen this at the, the, from the top to the bottom. The federal courts are a different ballgame. Uh, president Donald Trump did an outstanding job, better than any president in my lifetime, in terms of appointing justices that believe in the original intent and strict construction of the Constitution, um, and we had the boldness and courage uh, to correct um, judicial activism in terms of cases uh, in the past uh, five, six decades. So uh, one of those cases that recently came out, a lot of these most powerful decisions were, are fairly recent uh, because of those appointments by President Donald Trump. Uh, one of them uh, was, uh, as you just uh, mentioned, uh, the Kennedy case. This involves a, a coach who, at the end of a football game, he's a Christian, uh, he went and uh, knelt on the field and, and prayed. He didn't, you know, coerce the, the, the football players. You players all come around here, and I'm requiring all of you to be here and hear me say this prayer. No, no. He just prayed on his own, kneeling, um, and he was fired for that. Out of fear that, oh, well, he's working for the government. People may see him and think that the government is endorsing religion. And the court looked at this and says, no reasonable person would look at this and think that somehow the government mandated him to pray. No one would, could, could reasonably just presume that. No, this is his speech, and people do not surrender their First Amendment rights of speech much less religious speech and expression, simply because they work for the government. Um, so long as they're not engaging in direct, confined, mandatory proselytizing of someone, um, that's not the case. In fact, in the court case decision, it was interesting, Sotomayor, which is probably one of those hostile justices uh, against original intent and anything dealing uh, pro-religious freedom or pro-God, for that matter, it seems, uh, she said, well, 
if this uh, judge is, if this coach is able to do this, then uh, teachers can just, um, you know, read their, uh, preach and read their Bible to students in the classroom. And uh, one of the justices, uh, actually the, uh, the attorney uh, arguing the case, it wasn't me, uh, the attorney arguing the case said, well, uh, it's, it's true that a, a, you know, that, uh, a, a teacher cannot um, proselytize children in a closed environment in a classroom where they have to sit there. No, a teacher cannot proselytize and preach to them. Then he, he didn't stop there. He then said, however, um, if a teacher wants to have a Bible on her desk that she reads during a quiet reading time where all the students are reading their, their, their book, um, yeah, that would be protected. And the yeah. rest of the judges, the majority of the judges nodded their heads up and down. And I can tell you Sotomayor wishes she'd never asked that question because it just shows and demonstrates how broad of a case that is uh, for people not to have to hide their faith simply because they work for the government. Uh, um, that's a, a wonderful decision. Well, the other we've key, got, go yeah, go ahead. Well, we've got two minutes left in this second segment. Um, uh, uh, folks, if you've got questions for Brad Dacus or you want to chime in on this conversation with a comment, the number is 719-619-2341. Brad, just before you move on to the other case, do you think that there's a pathway now for the reinstitution of some kind of voluntary, maybe student-led school prayer? Oh, uh, yes, uh, yes. In fact, uh, we at Pacific Justice Institute, we have a book my wife and I wrote called Reclaim Your School. And we update it regularly, but the people can download it for free from our website. But it talks all about not only what parents can do and youth pastors and teachers and school board members, but it talks mostly about what students can do to live their faith, share their faith on school campus, during school hours. Um, it's, it's very compelling. And uh, there's, it's so exciting uh, with regard to the opportunities that, uh, that are there. We even helped start an organization called DecisionPoint.org, DecisionPoint.org, where they go in and put on full revival rallies and outreach re weeks on public school campuses. Uh, my wife and I, we did the first revival rally ourselves, and the gentleman who heard about it saw it, and then we trained him, and then he took it and started this ministry that we've been partnering with and working with and defending. So there's so much positive opportunity out there under the law. Students can pray. They can pray around a flagpole. They can bring Bibles to school. They can bring gospel tracts, distribute gospel tracts. We had a case out of Washington and near in Everett, uh, and we defended a high schooler uh, successfully, and it was a, a wonderful uh, case precedent for the rights of students to live and share their faith at, uh, during campus. Well, that's great. Awesome. Well, so uh, we're going to take a break now um, uh, and uh, be about 90 seconds to two minutes. And we'll be right back after that with our special guest, Brad Dacus, the founder and president of Pacific Justice Institute. So don't go away. We'll be right back. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this 
uh, being filled with the Word of God and with army and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through Army. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an Army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. Okay, back here on Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. My guest today is Brad Dacus, as you've heard, uh, the founder and president of Pacific Justice Institute, a, a great attorney and, and really a great believer, someone who's uh, doing what we talk about by standing for Christ and for truth in the public square and uh, making a huge difference in the process. And Brad, um, you know, you're, you deal with the courts all the time and um, uh, the courts, one, one branch of government, um, and and uh, how important is it that, this is a little bit of a softball, okay, but here's your chance. How important is it that Christians, um, especially Christian attorneys, you know, that we have lawyers active in the courts uh, to stand up for, you know, um, truth, really, the Constitution and even the gospel and even witness for Christ? Uh, yeah, it's, it's very important because attorneys, they, they go to law school. And almost every law school in the country will indoctrinate them yep. that uh, they have to keep their faith to themselves, yep. uh, that it's inappropriate. And, and specifically, uh, some faith is hate speech. So if you say, I believe uh, something is wrong to do, like same-sex sexual activity or sex outside of marriage, um, they'll look at you and they'll call you uh, phobic, homophobic, or uh, a bigot. Um, you know, it's like, well, no, just because you have a believe something's wrong, um, that doesn't mean you hate someone. I don't hate cigarette smokers, but I think cigarette smoking's not a good idea. I don't like it. I, I don't think it's, I don't hate people who drink too much. I, I think it's wrong to drink too much. Um, but that doesn't mean I, I hate people. In fact, I, I love people. I want to care for people. So they, they twist terminology to isolate uh, people of faith, and they do it especially for, for attorneys in law school to indoctrinate them to be silent about their faith. Uh, we at Pacific Justice Institute, we're, our members, uh, we attend every year the uh, Christian Legal Society uh, National Conference. It's where Christian attorneys come together once a year and uh, with a general, generally uh, with a, a biblical worldview. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's very, very positive. Uh, but um, it's, you know, we, we, we should not hide our convictions. We shouldn't apologize for them, uh, but we need to be salt and light and, um, and understand uh, the other side and how to communicate and relate our ideas effectively, uh, including the, the, the words and terminology that we use. Well, so, you know, when, when Donald Trump, you referred to him earlier, when he was running for president in 2016, um, he made it very clear that he was going to appoint originalist uh, uh, textual judges uh, who would apply the laws written, including the Constitution. Um, and he did a great job at that. And we today have seen and are experiencing some of the benefits of that. Uh, but, you know, so far in the political process leading, leading up to 2024, I have yet to hear any 
of these candidates talk about judges. I also haven't seen many headlines about uh, the judges that Joe Biden has been appointing to the federal judiciary. Um, are you concerned that we may have in the, in the Christian uh, community have lost our focus a little bit on this? It's almost like, oh, we won Roe versus Wade, so okay, we've done with that one, let's move on now. Uh, is it still a hugely important issue? Uh, it's extremely important. And, you know, I heard a, a, an elder of a church uh, say, well, abortion, you know, well, that, that's just one issue. Mm -hmm. Really? Really, that's like being in Nazi Germany, uh, you know, Lutheran uh, minister there and saying, well, the Holocaust, yeah, well, that, that's just one issue. Mm -hmm. um, no, it's a major issue. It's a mega issue. So abortion is dealing with the, uh, is a Holocaust. And history will show it, and biblically, it is a Holocaust uh, in the eyes of God because God loves uh, the little children and the, and, the, and the babies that he's forming in the womb. So. We, uh, we know that, um, and so Christians need to understand something very important, and that is uh, justices don't live forever. Uh, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, for example, they're in their early 70s. Uh, they're, uh, they're both um, heavy. They're not in the best of health. Just visually, you can tell that. Uh, there's a, a chance one or both of them could, could pass away, heaven forbid, uh, between 2024 and between now and 2028, for example, let's just say, I mean, if that happens, they would be replaced uh, by the president of the United States. At, uh, and if that was Biden and the Democrats have control of the Senate and they are pro-abortion, uh, pro-LGBTQ, anti-parents' rights, uh, anti-religious freedom, uh, if, uh, if they are in power, they'll replace those positions with judges that are activist judges contrary to the original intent of the Constitution. And it could reverse Roe versus, the re-reverse Roe versus Wade, reverse the Dodds decision. Uh, it could reverse religious freedom case decisions, victories we were talking about earlier, uh, reverse parental rights, uh, shut down uh, school choice, uh, oppress homeschoolers. That's how easy that can happen. And that's why people need to look at who they're voting for in, the, in terms of the White House and as well as in the Senate. You know, I, some people say, well, I think candidate so-and-so, I don't like his personality. Um, you know, I just don't think he's, you know, really nice and, you know, like a, a Christian should be the way he talks or Twitters or whatever. I hear that. And I say, you know, um, if you're voting for a high school uh, student body president, personality is very important. Um, whether that you like him or not personally, that's very important. But we're not electing a... a uh, president of the senior class. Uh, we're electing a president of the United States. And what matters is policy. Uh, policy is what prevents war. Policy is what protects people, protects our borders, protects uh, children in schools, protects uh, our constitution and our constitutional rights, religious freedom, parental rights, sanctity of human life, millions of preborn babies. Uh, that is what policies do. And that's what we need to look for. And fortunately, um, it's, it's what's really even fantastic is when you have a candidate that not only has good policies that they're stating, but has actually been in office once already and adopted those policies and has been proven to be a candidate of their word. And that is a second factor I think people need to take a look at it. Policies and the extent to which they've proven themselves 
to have the character integrity to follow up on those policies and promises. Um, and those are the two things that people need to look at. We need to be a mature. We need to get out of high school. Um, and we yeah. need to vote responsibly and, and lovingly and biblically. Well, and, and on this same subject, uh, so um, Biden's only Supreme Court appointee so far is, uh, I, I'm going to botch her name, so forgive me, but it's a Katanji Brown Jackson, I think. Anyway, yes. pretty, pretty close, the, the one who doesn't even know what a woman is uh, because she's not a biologist. I guess you have to have a college degree in biology to know what a woman is. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, so that tells me that she's also a liar and uh, because she wouldn't tell the truth to the committee at that time. And so um, how much damage has Joe Biden and the Democrat-controlled Senate done to our federal judiciary in, in three years? Yeah, there have been judicial appointments. Fortunately, President Trump, um, well, actually, his predecessor, Obama, was just sort of confident that Hillary Clinton was going to win. He didn't make it as high of a priority to fill judicial vacancies. And uh, it's a surprise of many, including myself, Hillary did not win, and there were all these vacancies. Trump filled them, and he was faithful to fill them with great justices. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Biden has filled, though, a number of justice positions, uh, still not able to counter what, what President Trump did in his administration, nowhere near that. And uh, of course, Justice Jackson has been a, a huge disappointment. She was not qualified, point blank, not qualified. There were better justices uh, that even met the demographic uh, discriminatory qualifications that uh, Biden had, better justices he could have chosen. And in fact, she uh, was a justice that defended in federal court partial birth abortion. Uh, this is the killing of a preborn a baby after it's almost all born except the head, and then something hideous is done to the baby's skull in excruciating pain with no pain. That's what she defended in court. So she is evil to the bone when you look at what she has actually done, uh, much less uh, not meeting the, really the true qualifications. Sotomayor, I contend, also did not really uh, meet the, the, the really the, the qualifications to be in that office. And unfortunately, she's displayed her naivety and uh, at times uh, in terms of legal understanding, legal argument. Those have been two big disappointments. Justice Kagan, Usually it's not on the, on the same side that I'm on. I will give her recognition for her being uh, academically and uh, intellectually qualified to be on the court. Um, and uh, because of that, sometimes she has actually ruled in favor of religious freedom. Uh, so we need, we need justices that are academically qualified, that also have the character and the understanding of the Constitution uh, to uh, not uh, thwart our fundamental rights uh, as we've seen done before. Well, we've we've got a caller on the line here, Brad. I want to I want to take him in just a minute, but before I do, um, w politically speaking, I know you're an attorney in the court system. So, um, if you haven't counted heads yet, I I understand. But looking at the United States Senate and the elections that are coming up in 2024, the Democrats have a really slim majority. I think it's uh, 51 to 49. In the, in the Senate, uh, Republicans have an opportunity this year to retake the majority, um, and uh, so, uh, some of those elections will probably be um, pretty close and pretty tight. How important is it for Christians to get involved, not just to vote, but to actually get involved, to be boots on the ground, knocking doors, volunteering, making phone calls, donating money to conservative candidates? How important is it this, this time around? Well, it's very important. We could lose 
the Senate. Uh, we could lose uh, the, the White House. And with it, we lose the Supreme Court and our freedoms and liberties as parents, uh, people of faith, uh, people with a conscience. So it's, it's very, very important. And one thing specifically that I encourage people to do, I'm so glad you asked that, that question, because uh, something that they can do, yeah, they can join a campaign, volunteer for a campaign, but one of the most powerful things they can do is, uh, is work with their church to have a voter registration Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's on a, a Sunday, maybe one or two or several Sundays, uh, where the pastor lets the church know, hey, in the back we have a voter registration table, nonpartisan, there's not an elephant or a donkey on it, nonpartisan, and just I encourage you, I exhort you to please register to vote. Um, if our church is filled with the love of Jesus, then we need to care about people outside our church walls. And if we really care about people outside our church walls, like the preborn or the elderly, et cetera, uh, we're going to vote and we're going to register to vote. This is about our testimony, folks. Um, God's the one who raises up and brings down, but he does want us to be faithful uh, to, the te- to our testimony and, uh, and having the love of Christ. The voting is a part of that. And if, we don't, if we're not looking at it, don't worry. The secular society is looking through those pane glass windows and, and seeing whether or not we're real in our alleged convictions to love and to live our faith to those that we, we know God loves. And registering to vote and voting is a part of that. If your church wants to do that, folks, if you're watching this and your church is interested or you think your church might be interested, just contact our office. We have a church engagement office, and their job is to work with pastors and people in churches who want to do voter registration Sundays. Also, uh, you can help uh, uh, get roundup people to be poll workers or poll watchers. That's really important to fight, to fight voter fraud. Uh, we did that in a con- for a congressional race in California. Mike Garcia would not be uh, in the Congress, but for our specific actions, working with churches to find the voter fraud and to expose it. And that's what turned the, the results of the election because voter fraud is all too common and we've seen it in a number of states uh, specifically. So, and then also think about running for office. Uh, if you pray about it, seek counsel from your pastor and others um, and uh, get input. But we helped uh, 44 people run for school boards. And uh, of those 44, 23 were elected, uh, booted out uh, school board members who were not pro-parent and were instead uh, given to other agendas and uh, teacher organizations. Instead, uh, their parents standing up for parents' rights and making a real difference. And uh, we're really excited about seeing more of that in the next election. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, go to our caller now. Frank from Missouri is on the line. Uh, Frank, thanks for calling in. What's your question for Brad? Yeah, I'm so grateful to hear Brad and, and be a part of this broadcast. This, uh, this afternoon, I was in a I ordered me a hamburger, and there was a young guy there that I've witnessed to before, and, I, and my uh, my truth and liberty was, I don't know how, I don't even know how to do it, man, but my phone, because I've tagged into you guys so much, they just brought up the, the Friday broadcasts with uh, Alec McFarlane and the other brother that's talking about, uh, uh, you know, religious uh you know, how to train young people or whatever, however. And anyways, I'm in there and I'm showing this kid, this 20-year-old, uh, and he's he's tagging in the truth and liberty. <laughs> anyways, but I do, I do have a question. And, you know, the, the simple question is, uh, is uh, you know, the, 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 the separation between church and state, 
you know, I, I got wounded here probably about three months ago in a church because they were t- they were talking LBGTQ and they were talking uh, 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 yeah the yeah the critical race theory and you know and I jumped in there with my evangelistic you know self which which is really a no no <laughs> anyways uh. uh you know, I, I want to know the why. Uh, if you're called by God to be an evangelist, uh, you know, and we're supposed to be history-making, world-shaking, uh, why why do we allow the government to stop us from going into the schools? And and uh, uh, is there such a thing to, to stop us from uh, uh, evangelizing or going into the uh, do you have to have have uh, some kind of credential? I've been ordained in the state of Missouri. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Uh, uh, okay. So you're wanting, Frank. You're wondering, um, can can we legally go into schools and share the gospel with students? What do you think, Brad? Well, yeah. The answer is uh, there are ways of doing it, and we talk about those in our book, Reclaim Your School. And I'm not selling the book. It's a free download on our website, pji.org. It talks about what parents can do and others. One of the things they can do, for example, is they can, uh, on an elementary school level, um, they can start a, a good news club. We've helped and we've defended those. Um, yeah, there's Satan clubs being started and uh, just out of hate and spite against Christians. That's why they call them Satan clubs. They're really atheists that just hate Christians. And their goal is to get people all riled up so they'll get rid of the Christian clubs. That's our whole objective. It's a hate, bigoted, discriminatory uh, organization. They should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, but uh, but we, can do, we should need to be more proactive, not be reactive to them, but be more proactive. Start these good news clubs, these Bible clubs, uh, in junior high as well, in high school as well. It's protected in high school under the Equal Access Act. Uh, and I mentioned that other organization, Decision Point, uh, uh, decisionpoint.org, uh, they will help your church and your youth pastor and, uh, to go in and do full revival rallies on public school campuses. It's right there. You can do it. Um, so there's incredible opportunities. Uh, there are limitations. So can a parent just come in and start proselytizing in the middle of the classroom? No, that's, that dis- disrupt a class. Uh, during lunch or recess, the extent to which they allow parents to come on campus. They can't prevent um, a parent who's a Christian or a minister to come on campus. We had a case matter dealing with Lodi, California. They kept everyone, they could let all parents on campus, all adults on campus, except clergy. We said, you can't do that. And, uh, and they, they backed down and they realized uh, they were caught. And um, so this is, there's some great things you can do. Uh, there's great opportunities. We spell it out real clear. We wrote the book at the eighth grade level so everyone can understand it, including kids in junior high. And uh, you can download it easily and read it in a day. Uh, and it's uh, called Reclaim Your School. Uh, it's at pji.org. Fantastic. All right. Well, th- thank you for that answer. And, and thanks for your uh, call, Frank. I hope that uh, answered your question. Brad, let me ask you about something else. You, you mentioned earlier about um, the, the left likes to take uh, words and twist terminology around. 
And, um, you know, there was a book written back in the 1950s called 1984, another one called Animal Farm by a guy named George Orwell, which um, we hear about uh, more today because the things that were written about in those books, it was supposed to be fictional, but it's like playing out in front of our very eyes. One of the things in there was called Newspeak, where the, the government uh, would uh, craft these uh, words, these phrases for things that were exactly the opposite of what they were, and then through propaganda convince people that uh, not to believe their eyes. Uh, today, um, uh, the, the transgender thing is a great example, I think, where they say, you have to affirm their gender. Well, wait a second, you're wanting me to affirm the exact opposite of their gender. Their gender is female and they wanna be a male, so if I tell them a male, how am I affirming their gender? But let's talk about Christian nationalism for a second, which I think is a, a classic um, propaganda device where the left is uh, cleverly using uh, terminology to paint a picture that is inaccurate and deceptive. Um, when I think of Christian nationalism, I mean, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, James Carville, former Clinton, um, you know, advisor and whatever, said that Christian nationalists, quote unquote, are more dangerous than Al Qaeda. So in other words, Bible-believing, patriotic, freedom-loving Christians are more dangerous to America than the people that killed, slaughtered 3,000 innocent civilians in one day on American soil. Uh, what is this Christian nationalism thing? And do you agree with me that we need to call this thing out and begin to, to fight against this pejorative label? Yeah, it's bigotry. It's hate-filled bigotry language. It's stereotyping conservative, Christian, patriotic Americans as some kind of a danger to America. Um, let's see, what danger do conservative, Christian, patriotic Americans do? Um, we vote, uh, we're law-abiding, uh, we're, you know, we believe in the Constitution. Um, you know, so where, where's the danger? Um, you know, conservative, Christians, patriotic Christians, uh, they don't want to, to hurt people. Um, now, there's some people, groups that do want to hurt people, uh, but they don't fit under our, that category. Um, so it's, it's a terminology to vilify. And like the Southern Poverty Law Center said, you know what their, their goal is, is not just to, uh, to silence. No, theirs is to, their goal is to vilify a group, vilify Christians, for example, and then silence them, and then destroy them. And that, unfortunately, is a part of the, the game plan of the far left and their resetting of society. Part of it is taking out the church and the voice of the church. Uh, and by doing that, part of that is to vilify. So people say, oh, no, no, I, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christian nationalist. No, I'm, oh, no, no, I'm not a Christian at all. Don't, I, I, you know, don't fire me from my job. Um, don't you know, don't uh, isolate me from X, Y, and Z or boot me out of the military. Um, it's, it's setting up a, 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 uh, an assumption, a stereotype that is not founded, not have any basis uh, to create a society that is hostile towards Christians uh, and they're using it very effectively. It's wrong, it's demonic, uh, and it's just like George Orwell's 1984 where, like you say, it says one thing, but it actually means another. Another example of that, by the way, is uh, up in Washington State. Uh, we're defending a Christian-owned Korean health spa for women, and 
Uh, a gentleman man comes in, he insists on going in there where, where women and their daughters are, you know, naked in the women's spa. And they said no. And he goes out and he reports it to the state of Washington. The Washington Human Rights Commission, Human Rights Commission, mm-hmm. is now suing to close that Christian-owned business for not compromising their faith and letting a naked man be there with naked women and naked little teenage, uh, teenage girls. It's the Human Rights, Washington Human Rights Commission. No, it's not. It's the Totalitarian Commission, anti-bigot, anti-faith bigoted commission. So they take words, they twist them, uh, and that's what they do. I was on a show a long time ago, and the, the person on the other side used the word homophobe or homophobic. And I stopped him right there. And I said, wait, I will not allow that kind of bigoted language to be used in this, pro- in this, on this, in this debate or in this conversation. I said to stereotype Christians and as, and as people who are somehow paranoid and afraid of other people because of their gender identity or, or a, a sexual orientation is bigoted, it's baseless, and I won't put up with it. And, and it was on PBS, public broadcasting Good station here in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, they were shocked. I, I bet mean, they, they, were. They, were, they were shocked that, I, that I, I put them on the defense, that I won't put yeah. up with that. They said, oh, someone says homophobe. Oh, really? No they're, no, they're not. They're not afraid of homosexuals. They have moral convictions against what homosexuals do to each other and, and lovingly wish they wouldn't, but that's not, that's not being afraid of someone. No more than yeah. being afraid of a, a cigarette smoker or someone who you know, does something else you don't agree with. Right. No, that's, excellent. no that's excellent. That's excellent. And you know, America was, was built. Um, it, it was built by Christians um, for the sake of religious liberty, um, for the sake of a, a, uh, a Christian society. No one here is forced to be a Christian. Christians don't compel. That, that, it's like Christian nationalism. The label conjures up this fear of like a Nazi-esque, uh, some kind of blended Nazi-esque and, uh, and uh, you know, th- a theo- theocratic state or something where we're going to force everybody to, to believe and follow Christian doctrine. Um, but that's absurd, isn't it? Uh, if it weren't for Christians, we wouldn't have a country. We wouldn't even have a concept of individual rights or individual liberty right. since the Bible is the foundation for those things. Yeah, it's, it's completely the foundation for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, the left knows that. Uh, but their goal and desire is, like I say, to create a new society uh, that is uh, one with it, which is a bottomless pit. If you try to, you talk mm. to someone on the far left and say, "Well, when do, when is it going to stop?" And you just keep promoting one, one uh, perversion after another. One, and they they have no reference point for when no. it will stop, or where it will stop, or how it will stop. And uh, they sure have no proven way of uh, even carrying out what they're promising in a, in a socialist, uh, Marxist society of of equality. Um, that's never worked. And nor, nor will it work with, with, with their agenda. Uh, the Christian, Judeo-Christian foundation has worked. We have freedom. We have liberty. We have prosperity because of it. Um, and when we throw that away, we throw away all the benefits that go there with. Amen. Well, one last topic I just want to cover with you, Brad, is the, uh, as an attorney, I think you'll, you'll understand this, but it's the rule of law. And how important is the rule of law to a free society? Um, I would I would suggest that you cannot really have a free society if you don't have the rule of law. And what is this idea, the rule of law, and do you see it uh, in danger today in the 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 culture we live in? Yeah, uh, we see it never so blatantly than we see it today. Uh, these uh, uh, district attorneys uh, back east and these judges, outrageous judges, and these 
uh, cases against uh, former President Donald Trump. You know, I, I looked at it factually. You know, I'm, I like to be objective. Give me the evidence. What's was it? Where the evidence? And and I agree with uh, Dr. Alan uh, Dershowitz, who's by the way a liberal, um, that he has been very outspoken that this is tyrannical, because mm -hmm. it's not a matter of law. It's just a matter of lawfare and politics, and not seeking equal justice and equal treatment under the law. Um, you know, the, the World Bank Organization did a study on what makes nations rich or poor. It was interesting what they found. They found two factors with those nations that were rich. There were nations that, number one, had a moral people that didn't just do what they could get away with, but actually had a moral compass inside them. And that comes with nations that are sincere and deep in their faith, uh, a faith that's, uh, that's a loving faith and a real faith, like Christianity. And number two, it's an, these are nations that have blind justice and equal enforcement of the law. They're nations not of dictators like China who give favoritism to this person or that person or this company, that, or, or banana republics like Venezuela or Mexico. But instead, it's countries that treat everyone the same and equally under the law. We are losing that with our state court and state judges in blue states as we speak. And uh, that is very serious, and we need to take that very seriously when we uh, elect people to office, and also when we uh, affirm judges that are in office and should be replaced, along with district attorneys. Yeah, well, the, the prosecutions of Donald Trump are just um, part of the evidence of the erosion of this, but we see it also with the politicization of the, the branches of government, the administrative agencies, FBI, Justice Department, yes. intelligence oh. agencies. Um, yes. And I, we could go on for another whole program about this, about all the instances of it. Yes. Um, but, uh, but it's a critical, uh, I just want to bring attention to it because I think it's not getting enough attention and, and it really is, we're in a very dangerous place. If, if what's happening now becomes the new normal, becomes the precedent, um, then you can almost kiss the Constitution goodbye because the paper will not be worth anything. Yeah, the, the Department of Justice, uh, the FBI, uh, the CDC, uh, the FDA, mm -hmm. um, yeah. CIA, they, these have all become entities that were once highly revered and respected, and I don't trust any of them now. I'm not a radical. Um, I'm a lawyer. I respect the law, and I see tyranny in levels that I never thought I would see in the United States versus some banana republic or totalitarian state. It is yep. outrageous. And we could go example after example after example from ganging up on parents at school board meetings and calling them domestic terrorists, uh, you know, the FBI, yep. or the FBI going after the Catholic Church um, as potentially dangerous. Uh, these are just, uh, or, or elderly women we're defending right now, a woman who's being criminally prosecuted up to 20 to 30 years behind bars just because she's praying outside an, an abortion clinic uh, via the FACE Act, um, and then those who have been put behind bars for peacefully demonstrating in D.C. Um, these are, uh, it, it, we are in interesting times that we're in, and we need to know it, and we need to respond to it, and keep our eyes on the Lord, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Well said. Well, that's all the time we have. Uh, Brad, it's been great having you on the Truth and Liberty Show. I really appreciate it. We wish you uh, great success in everything you're doing. And uh, folks, be sure to check out their website at pgi.org, pgi.org. Uh, pick up a copy, PJ, PJI, did I say G? PJI, yeah. 
pji.org and pick up a copy of Brad's book and resources and uh, support them financially. They're doing a great work. All right, and catch us again tomorrow on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show at 3.30 Mountain Time. And God bless you all. We will see you next time. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty Livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.